Welcome to the Diligent Podcast, where we make Bible study come to life, and I'm your host, Joshua Cantrell. Uh, today, we bring you another episode here on the Diligent Podcast, but of course, this is just one of many podcasts under the uh, Scattered Abroad Network. Of course, in your show notes there, you'll have access to uh, not just this podcast, but all the podcasts under the Scattered Abroad Network. And also, most importantly, make sure you go check out our website at www.scatteredabroadnetwork.org. There you can have some information information about each, uh, each podcast, each podcast host, and all the different things that we are doing. Uh, and also, make sure you like us on Facebook and YouTube as well, where you have access to all the different things that, uh, that we have available on this network. Of course, this is Season 3. Uh, for the Diligent Podcast, and we are talking about desiring to be diligent. Again, desiring to be diligent. When you uh, read the Bible, when you study the Bible, it is evident uh, that God desires us to do a plurality of different things. The verse that comes to my mind is John 12, 20 and 21, uh, where the Bible says, Now there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast, the same therefore came unto Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sirs, we would see Jesus. So again, that word desired there, you can immediately uh, understand from the context there uh, to what exactly or to whom we should be uh, desiring, which actually brings us to our discussion uh, for today. Today, a very, very familiar passage to many, uh, but for those who are not as familiar, uh, we're going to be discussing Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus today from uh, Luke chapter 19. Now, we normally just uh, look at him from his from his side and his posture, him being a small individual. But, of course, we know there is uh, so much more in the text there about him, about his life, about his upbringings. And we certainly want to unpack all of that today. I guess if we were... Uh, using a subtitle, if you will, we might even say uh, true conversion. The word conversion is seen, well, the concept that is, is certainly seen uh, throughout the Bible. Uh, in fact, in Luke chapter 22, verse number 31, there the Bible says, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have you, uh, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted... Uh, Christ tells Peter to strengthen his brother. Now, up to this point, Peter had been a disciple of Christ. He had been an apostle of Christ for some time now. So he had uh, he had learned of Christ. He had seen him do miracles. But yet in this instance, Christ tells him when you're converted uh, to strengthen or to be strengthened of those. It's interesting that in John chapter 6 and verse number 61 and following there, uh, the Bible shows us how Jesus was preaching to an audience on one occasion and how he was uh, pretty much preaching some hard things to them. Uh, and the Bible there says that many of his disciples, they turn and they walk no more with him. In fact, the text says this is a hard saying. Who then can hear these things? The Bible says Christ now turns his attention to the twelve. He asked them, will you also go away? Of course, Simon Peter makes that great statement. Lord, to whom shall we go when thou hast the words of eternal life? Uh, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So it's also evident that uh, you have many who uh, have this concept in their mind just because they're following after Christ. 
uh, that they're somehow converted to Christ. But of course, uh, the New Testament shows us shows us something differently. A verse that also comes to my mind is over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 8 and following. As Paul is writing to the churches there of Thessalonica, he says in verse number 8, For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Paul says people around the the world pretty much are hearing of your faith, hearing of your commitment, your dedication to Christ. Then he says in verse number nine, this is really the admiration that he gives them for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you. What does conversion look like, Paul? And how ye turned to God from idols to serve the true and the living God. So again, that idea of conversion, it means to turn. It means to a change and go a different direction. In Matthew chapter 18, verse number one, in the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? It's interesting that in the other accounts, in the other gospel accounts, especially that of Mark, uh, in that context, Jesus is telling them one of them was going to betray him. And they more or less said, well, you know what? That's great. That's fantastic. Was who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Verse number two, the Bible says, and Jesus called a little child unto them. He took the child. He put the child in the midst of them. And the Bible says in response to that in verse number three, verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as a little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So again, in, in many other verses throughout the Bible, we see this idea of of letting go of something to become something else or turning from one direction to go into a different direction. And in Luke chapter 19, that's what we find. The Bible says, of course, in Luke 19 and verse number one, and Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a certain man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And the Bible says he uh, was rich. So again, we are introduced to this man named Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus. And the Bible identifies him as a public and interesting enough that uh, the Romans would hire these publicans or these tax collectors and these people more or less were Israelites well excuse me they were Jews and so the Romans would hire Jews and they would use these Jews to tax fellow Jews which again it kind of puts it into perspective that Jews hated tax collectors here you all are supposed to be on our side, helping us out. And the Bible also says that he was chief among the publicans, which means that Zacchaeus was probably in charge of a, a large region or a large a group of people who had worked under him. And the Bible also asked this phrase that he was rich. Interesting enough, when you read the Bible, God has never uh, told us that riches was a sin. Of course, we look at David, we look at uh, Job, Job chapter 1 and verse 5, the richest man in all of the east. Of course, we know about all the great wealth David had. Uh, we can think about his son Solomon, all the great wealth Solomon had. Uh, even Abraham, the end of Genesis chapter 11, taking us to Genesis chapter 12, all the great land he had. But again, uh, Paul lets us know in 1 first, first Timothy chapter 6, verse number 8 and following, he gives us some context there how we should not allow our riches to uh, move us or to get us to a point where we're just totally uh, dependent on those and not God alone. In fact, in Matthew chapter 18, of course, we know our Lord is, is, is teaching on forgiveness there. But of course, the Bible says in verse number uh, eight and verse number to verse number 14 there, he's talking about this 
a rich young ruler, if you will. Also, Matthew chapter 19 is what he talks about him as well. And the Bible there says that Jesus tells this individual here in verse number 24 of Matthew 19. It is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. So again, it's not so much the idea of God uh, not allowing us to have riches, but of course, Matthew 6, verse 33, we should uh, we should always be willing to seek the kingdom of God first. Let's notice some things about Zacchaeus that is, that's worth noticing today. In verse number three, the Bible says, and he sought to see Jesus. He was desiring to see Jesus, who he was, and he could not for the press because he was of little statue. The idea that you have this tax collector. Now, again, the text doesn't show us what he knew about Jesus, but whatever he knew about Jesus was enough for him to go investigate. I've got to go see who this Jesus is. I got to go see him for myself, if you will. It's just like in our culture, in our society today, our friends, you know, they may come tell us, well, there's this great athlete. You got to go see him. No one has ever played like this. And, you know, sometimes we can, you know, kind of just see, you know, this person has no idea what they're talking about. You have to go and investigate and you have to go see it for yourself. Same thing is true with Jesus. In the world today, many people have a misunderstanding of who Jesus is based off what other people have shown them. The interesting thing is, if you want to know who he is, go to his revelation, go to the word of God and, 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 and learn of his character and learn of who he is. Sadly enough, we blame Jesus on behalf of the church. And what I mean by that is if someone in the church, they treat us wrong, they do us bad, or we often equivalent that to Jesus somehow being that way. But that's not always the case. Now, I'm not in no way saying that we shouldn't be like Jesus because the Bible uh, makes that affirmation, affirmation we should have every single day of our lives. We should strive to be more like our Savior. But you have those who don't want to do that. You have those who are very, very stuck in their ways. They're very, very set on who they are. And again, that's not in any reflection on who the master is, who the Savior is. So I guess in verse number three, you can even you know use there that this man was seeking Jesus diligently. He was very, very adamant on finding a way uh, to make sure he see Jesus. Interesting enough that in our society today, we spend thousands upon thousands of dollars going to uh, see athletes and, and, and going to uh, watch them play. I was reading an article and the article was saying that this person mortgaged their house off last year to go uh, see Tom Brady play football. I was reading before that you could pay some $10,000 to go shake the hand of the president of the United States. And that this article was maybe around 2017 or 2018, somewhere in there. What's your point, Josh? My point is we can go see Jesus for free. You know, we don't have to spend tens upon thousands of dollars going to see him, going to hear his word preached. Man, we can go do that for free. And that's what's interesting that this man, even though everyone around him, they knew his occupation, they knew who he was, whatever he had heard about Jesus was enough for him to go investigate for himself. And I think all of us should be like that. We should all be willing 
uh, to not just take someone's word for it, but just to go investigate and see, as the Bible says, to see whether those things are so. The Bible says here in verse number four. Now, again, in verse number three, the Bible says he was little of stature, short individual. Verse number four. And he ran before and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Now, again, in verse number two, we see the obstacles that are presented to him. He's little of stature. You know what? This is really not as great as I thought it was going to be. The Bible says in verse number four, he saw a tree and he decided to run up the tree, which shows us the persistence that he had. If you can remember growing up and you're trying to ride a bike for the very first time and, you're, and your mom and dad are trying to help you, you just keep falling down, but you keep getting back up because you want to show them you can do this, that persistence uh, that we need to have. And that's exactly what and that's exactly what the key has had as well as interesting that uh, that tree was planted there. That tree was there to supply his need before he ever even got there, which I think, you know, sometimes in life, God will place certain people, certain things into our lives. And we don't know we need those things until we need them. I don't know how many times he walked by that tree. Maybe this was his first time walking by it. But again, it just shows the persistence with which he was willing to work and willing to do to make sure uh, that he was going to see Jesus. The Bible says here in verse number five, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. Jesus noticed him and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Interesting enough, not only do, you know, we spend a lot of time looking at Jesus through his word and 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 and, and we look at him through other people, but interesting enough, Jesus looks at us as well. Jesus noticed this man. He noticed how diligent and how persistent he was. And so Jesus extends an invitation to him. Verse number five, the Bible says, and when he and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must abide at thy house. Verse six, and he made haste and came down and he received him joyfully. Jesus is always extending an invitation. Even today, of course, we know the great invitation, the great uh, call that we sometimes reference, Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28, come unto me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn to me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is like Jesus constantly invites us to come know him, to come understand him, to come have a relationship with him. Jesus, throughout the book of Luke, one of the things I appreciate and love throughout the book of Luke is Jesus often put himself in uncomfortable situations. Jesus, in so many accounts throughout this book, he does things that I'm sure his disciples probably wanted to lose their mind time and time again. But yet Jesus did these things. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, verse number 21, For hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered, leaving us an example to follow in his steps. And we're still uh, beneficiaries of the example in which he laid for us over 2,000 years ago today. He put himself in those uncomfortable situations to show us and to teach us that, hey, if I can do this, you can do this too. And as a result of that, after Jesus puts himself in an uncomfortable situation, the Bible says here in verse number seven, and when they saw it, that being all the Jews, they all murmured saying, 
that he, Jesus, was going to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. I'm thankful that Jesus sits down with publicans and with sinners. Luke chapter 15, 1 and 2. Again, the Bible there lets us know that they're ultimately questioning his way. Why, why is he doing this? The Bible says in Luke 15, verse 1, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man received the sinners and eateth with him. Why is he doing that? Because it's his way. Jesus is sitting down with publicans and sinners. And the Bible says when the other folks saw that, they murmured. They couldn't stand it. Why is he sitting down with the sinner failing to realize their own spiritual condition as well. Verse number seven, verse number eight, and Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, have my goods I give to the poor. This is an indication that repentance had taken place in his life. Again, this season we're talking about desiring to be diligent. What did Zacchaeus do that made him so welcoming, if you will, in the hearts of people today. First of all, he he showed us that conversion means to change. Again, in verse number eight, he said, Have my goods I will give to the poor. If I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. The man was willing to give back to make right what he did wrong. Again, we must be willing to seek Jesus diligent. Matthew chapter 18 and verse number three. Again, Christ as he's talking to his disciples there, he also makes that makes that account known as well. Interesting enough, we shouldn't allow anyone to stop us from getting to Jesus. Again, you have all the obstacles that are in the way, all the different things that tell us to pack up and go back home. Uh, but he did not allow his stature to determine his status. Again, in verse number three or four, we see an obstacle, but he said, you know what, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to be diligent in my approach because I want to I want to I want to know who this Jesus is and again verse number 10 which is probably one of the golden texts so many but this is definitely probably one of the golden texts of the Bible for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost Jew Gentile sinner saint friend foe enemy ally Jesus came to save us all all from our sins the man here was desiring uh, to be diligent in his approach. And as a result of that, he's given us a clear indication of what true conversion looks like. And I think all of us can uh, heed to the words of our Lord and, and make application in our lives where we see fit. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in once again to another episode of the Diligent Podcast, where we make Bible study come to life. And I'm your host, Joshua Cantrell.